Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Among the most popular stories for kids of all ages is the story of the Pony Express. That was a 19th century mail service featuring intrepid riders carrying the mail through largely hostile territory from Missouri to California. Lots of fact and fiction about the Pony Express, but our first guest sets the record straight in his new book, West Like Lightning, The Brief Legendary Ride of the Pony Express. That's Jim DeFelice, and we welcome him to the studio. Jim, great to have you. Oh, Don, it's my pleasure must mention at the outset that you are also the author of American Sniper, which many people remember as a, as a fine film. And I have to point out, too, that some of the ladies in the building just wanted to touch you because you had worked with Bradley Cooper. You know, I have to say Bradley Cooper is uh, a great guy, and uh, one thing that people don't know about him is how much uh, he does for, for charities. So, oh, really? Yeah, he's uh, really a genuine authentic person. Well, this uh, in many ways put you on the map, that story in particular, didn't it? That was, uh, yeah, it's hard to, uh, you know, once, you know, all you have to do is mention American Sniper and people, uh, some people, you know, won't let you in the door. uh, But, uh, you know, other people say, oh, come on in and tell us about Bradley Cooper. Well, they're going to be asking you to say, uh, come on in and talk about the Pony Express from now on. I'm bet- Great book. I really enjoyed this kind of history, and you did a fine job on it. Thanks. It was, uh, you know, I have to say this was, uh, I've written many, many books, but uh, this book had to be one of, the, one of the ones that I had the most fun with from researching it. And, um, you know, to do that, I went back uh, across the old trail. Um, much of which is accessible uh, either by car or walking. Um, there's a few places where you might have to sneak through some barbed wire, but we won't talk about those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you have pictures, Don, uh, I'm sure that wasn't me. Right. Well, you know, it wasn't a straight line from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, was it? No, absolutely not. And it, part of the, a lot of the reason had to do with uh, the fact that the guys that owned the Pony Express and started it, uh, built it kind of on the uh, the backbone of um, their other enterprises, including uh, stagecoach lines and um, things. They also uh, they're also quite the quite the entrepreneurs. They uh, the reason that the Pony Express starts in St. Joe, Missouri, of all uh, places, has to do with the deal that they that they managed to uh, wrangle. I guess would be a good a polite way of putting it mm-hmm. uh, out of the city. Out of the city, and it, it so it didn't start in St. Louis because it didn't have to. Well, there's more. I'm going to talk about why it didn't start in St. Louis tonight at the at the library. Uh, it's uh, very privileged to be there tonight. But uh, no, you know, you would think it would start at St. Louis. It might, might make sense, and then you look at the distance and in, in time, and um, uh, okay, you could possibly accept that. But St. Joe is on the wrong side of the river if right. you're going to, to race there because what would happen is the rider would get the mail and uh, he has a 19, 20-year-old, 21-year-old uh, kid and um, you know, he would gallop out of the, out of the hotel or, or wherever he's, where they're starting from that day and race down the road. And, I mean, really, you know, very impressive. All the ladies, of course, you know, be throwing them flowers and you know, maybe – uh, the equivalent in those days of giving him uh, their cell phone number, he would race down to the river, and and then he'd have to wait for the ferry across. So, you know, what was going on? Well, uh, as it turns out, Alexander Majors and his partners, the men who own the Pony Express, uh, they they have nothing. Uh, well, I should say, sports 
teams trying to move stadiums around have nothing on these guys. These guys drove the hardest bargain up and down the river, and St. Joe gave them a great uh, great deal. They were in it to make money. That's what the whole thing was about. It wasn't to serve uh, what population was west of the Mississippi or Missouri. No, well, they wanted they wanted to create an empire. Basically, if you had anything uh, to be delivered, whether it was information like the mail or people or military supplies or a stove, they wanted to be uh, the ones that were doing it. And the Pony Express was part of that scheme. And we should point out that this uh, started in 1860, and uh, the the first piece of mail or information that was delivered westward was the uh, election of Abraham Lincoln. Well, the Lincoln election is actually a key key, um, uh, message, and that happens, um, obviously, in in the fall. And uh, it's so important that they put on extra riders— uh, they they used the telegraph, which they were using actually all throughout the, the existence of the Pony Express and the, and the railroads to help speed it off. And it's less than 10 days that they get the message uh, to California. The normal time for, for uh, travel for mail was 10 days, uh, but this was a special run, and, and it's much shorter. You think four years before, before the election uh, with Buchanan, uh, it had taken months. So, I mean, it was just a radical, radical change. Were, were these riders going at full speed? I mean, I know that they every few miles they would change horses and sometimes riders, but when they were riding, were they really riding? Well, they're really, really riding in town and out of town because, as I said, you know, they're 19, 20-year-old yeah. uh, young men, and, you know, there's, if there's uh, any sort of audience around of young ladies... <laughs> they're going to impress them. But the the truth is that um, they're averaging roughly eight miles an hour. So for most of the uh, most of their relay, say, um, they would they'd be riding it. Uh, say it's faster than a walk, uh, maybe a half gallop, quarter gallop, depending exactly where you are. The you could think of it almost as a relay race. Uh, they would start from a home, what they called a home station. It would be a relatively, depending on where you were, it was a relatively well-established either small hotel or in some cases a stable or a farm. Uh, they would ride for about 10 miles. There'd be a kid, generally a, a young man about uh, 8 or 9 or 10, standing out in all sorts of weather holding the horse. Uh, the rider would come up. He jump off the jump off the horse he was riding, grab uh, well, uh, mochila or mochila, depending on who's pronouncing mm-hmm. it. But it's a special kind of mailbag. Throw it on the saddle of the new horse and ride off for another ten miles. He would do that for eighty, anywhere from eighty to a hundred miles, roughly, depending again, depending on where we're at. Uh, the entire route was about eighteen hundred uh, miles from St. Joe, Missouri, to Sacramento. And there was also a regular spe- a regular run down from Sacramento down uh, to San Francisco uh, via steamer. My impression from the book is that uh, all of these young men were kind of built like jockeys. They were small, uh, as as I recall. It's been a couple of weeks since I finished the book. But uh, I guess you could compare them in some ways to jockeys. You want them small so they could carry more mail, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. Now, there are a couple of exceptions that we know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit... Uh, the records of the Pony Express uh, were either burned or lost or 
otherwise um, misplaced mm. uh, due to some of the uh, reasons that the Pony Express ends in the, in the first place. But we think, so because of the loss of the records, it's hard to definitively know who was a rider. Um, but from what we can tell, yeah, they're fairly skinny young men, um, and they're what they what they all have in common is not only are they great riders and and in general from the area, so they know all the shortcuts, but they're also really really good with horses. Um, you have uh, there's an instance, for instance, uh, where we know one young man, Nick Wilson. Uh, it's also called the White Indian who gets his job as a rider out in Utah uh, at, I believe, was 16 because uh, the superintendent of the line saw him taming wild horses, and he just had a way with horses, and a lot of these uh, young men did. They were really dedicated. Uh, the, the ones you write about, uh, if uh, they got to a relay station and the Indians had burned it down or was no one was there, they'd continue on and just extend their uh, extend their. Uh, Sure. A- absolutely. I mean, the, you know, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, in a case as such as you mentioned, you know, where it's extraordinary, um, you can say, okay, well, you know, what else would he have done? I mean, he was going to hang around there and uh, you know get get shot at or or what have you. But again and again, you find these uh, stories about them just continuing on and riding for another. Yeah, you know, they're riding a hundred, you know, ten, ten, twelve hours a day through all sorts of weather, day and night, and, um, you know, and still going. And the, the thing that interested me when I first started, I thought that people, the riders would brag about how fast they went. No, what they, would, what they bragged about was how far they went. Oh, no, I went, you know, 200 miles. I think it looks to me like the mm-hmm. longest that any rider went, and there's a couple of men who may have done this, was about 350, 360 miles. Think about that. That's a lot of time yeah. in the saddle. Yeah. Now, you talk about uh, talk about the difficulty in researching something like this, and yet you were able to come up with, with quite a bit of information, even though the Pony Express only lasted for 18 months or so, and there were few records that survived that. Where did you get this stuff? Well, uh, first of all, there there are a few records that you can that you can look up. There there happens to have been a census right around the time that the Pony Express uh, was um, had to be suspended because of a war with the with the Pyramid Lake Indians, and and so you had a number of riders who just happened to be in this hotel where the the census taker went, and there's you know kind of the cool little stuff like that, but. Every newspaper of the day at the time uh, had uh, would have on its front page this just in from the Pony Express. So you have a lot of data there. But for me, the the most enjoyable part of the research was going to the many, many, many small museums and uh, historical societies along the way. And I, I have to tell you, uh, Don, the the people that I met there they were so incredibly helpful. And uh, it was just a joy uh, just to, to talk to them. And, and frankly, I, I could have stayed all day in, in most just about every place I went. And a lot of these riders lived into the 20th century, too. And I guess their stories were written by somebody or maybe they, they told stories that were passed down from generation to generation. Absolutely. And, of course, the, the problem, what happens is the Pony Express, although it only lasts for 18 months, becomes so famous uh, after it's, you know, 
towards the turn of the century, it becomes uh, has a resurgence in fame. That we get a lot of stories that you know may or may not be true, like um, you know the most famous, the greatest Pony Express rider of all time would be uh, Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of problem in that, though, as you go and you research uh, about the greatest Pony Express rider of all time, who, by the way, was a genuine hero and, and did get a Medal of Honor and, and, you know, incredible man and did a lot, really, for keeping the Pony Express alive. But when you go and you check that stuff, well, anyway, truth it's, is it's he suspect. didn't actually ride for the Pony <laughs> Express, but... Uh, what are we going to say? But he did incorporate it into his very, very popular shows that were played not only in this country but in other parts of the world too. And people just loved the Pony Express stuff. Absolutely. And that was uh, – we were talking about the Wild West shows, which uh, you know at the, at the time were revolutionary. It's like the – and they were huge events. It's like the Super Bowl coming to your town. They would um, – they went to New York City. They went to London, Boston, you know, all, all the places. But they also went to you know small towns. Uh, in the Midwest, in the West, and um, because they, the shows would often start and end, and sometimes both, with a vignette of the Pony Express. And it's largely because of that that we have so many stories and we remember the uh, service today. Yeah, it certainly is an iconic chapter in, uh, in the country's history. I have to take a break, and we'll do that now. I'm talking with Jim DeFelice, who is the author of West Like Lightning, obviously a story about the Pony Express. We'll come back and find out a little bit more about uh, what these riders had to endure during their, their typical workday. Do that in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome back as we continue our conversation about the Pony Express. Jim, um, what would a typical ride be like? I mean, we know the movies and we've seen some of the books and some of the illustrated books. And every time these guys turn around, they're being chased by Indians. That wasn't really the case, was it? No, that uh, that wasn't the case. As a matter of fact, as far as we can tell, that may have been the case on exactly one ride, right. one segment. Uh, although there was, as I had said earlier, there was a um, a war that mm-hmm. interrupted the the Pony Express. To be honest, for the most part, um, while it would be very exciting at, at at points when the Pony Express started, for instance, that day there were bands and marches and parades and and a lot of young women, as I as I had said earlier. But for the most part, you're talking about you know a very grueling workday of ten, twelve hours in the saddle, and um, you know you're you're riding. There are some reports of you know the riders falling just about falling asleep in the saddle and then the horse taking them to the next onto the next uh, station and so on they would do that uh, there were two runs they would typically have two runs of the pony express a week and the riders for the most part would be riding um kind of in both directions so they would start uh, say in St. Joe and then uh, ride uh, about 80 miles there uh, and uh, drop off their drop off their mailbag 
and then wait for the next one to come in, and then they would do it again. You know, do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on where you were, those two runs might be back to back. At the end of the day, you were pretty much, or at the end of your ride, you were pretty much exhausted. If you were lucky, you could uh, sleep in the corner of the stable. Uh, you know, and the you know straw was pretty warm. Uh, if you weren't that lucky, then maybe you were in an attic somewhere. Um, so it was pretty hard. They, on the other hand, the, the riders were being paid very well, about $100, uh, or actually exactly $100 a month. That yeah. was a lot of money in the day, wasn't it? That was when money was real money. Yeah. You know, that, uh, especially in Kansas, in, uh, well, in Utah, Nevada, it was, it was very good. When you, in California, there's, uh, because they're pulling that shiny stuff out of the ground, mm-hmm. um, the, the values were a little bit, uh, little bit off. But that's still considered uh, you know, pretty good money for somebody that's 19, 20 years sure. old. Weather, certainly a factor. Absolutely. Um, one of the interesting things to me, uh, when I was researching it, was to see how steep a lot of the a lot of the trails in the Sierra Nevada were, oh. and uh, how narrow they were. I was on one trail, and I think I have a photo of it in the in uh, Westlake Lightning in the book, where basically I, I'm not a really wide person, but I could uh, not get if I could, there's no way I could have extended my arms out, and yet these guys with these you know men would ride through them at uh, you know gallop through as fast as they could. When when there wasn't snow on the ground, uh, they got frequently there was snow right up to the horse's nose, or 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 uh, over it, and um, they're they're really the they would ride through the snow. There was a couple of instances uh, that we know of in looking at the records where they obviously took a day, you know, kind of or or several hours to try to gather themselves at at you know in shelter, but remarkably. Um, the runs, we know how long the runs were. There was only one run where the male got lost, and that male mysteriously turns up somewhere else, or turns up actually where it was supposed to go in, uh, uh, you know, afterwards. Uh, so every piece of mail that was supposed to be delivered was delivered. Uh, and, um, and we know from the records, because remember they're stamped, and they're being you know, stamped and, and noted, uh, that most of the time they did do it in 10 days. What did it cost to send, to send a letter to California from, say, St. Louis? Well, it cost, well, it cost $5. Of course, um, you know, $5 then is a little different than $5 now. I mean, I, I think I have some of the estimates in the, in the book would put it over $150 in, in equivalent today. Now, they did lower the price. And um, I think it gets all the way down to 50 cents at, at one point. About where it is now. Yeah, about where it is now. Actually, it's less than it is now, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and listen, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to say that my mailman has, has uh, delivered every piece of my mail. And I'm not sure I could swear on that on a stack of Bibles. W- was most of the mail personal letters or was it official business kind of stuff? Yeah, most of the mail was actually official business. Uh, yeah. There was a little bit more mail coming west uh, to east. Uh, the price did uh, keep you know uh, a lot of people from from mailing. You find the personal letters. A lot of them, um, and I include one actually in the book from a from a writer. Actually, the personal letters um, are you know, gee, you know, when are you coming? You know, when are you mm-hmm. coming home? There, a lot, a lot of them obviously have been lost or, or kept by the families. The other thing that you had a lot of were letters that of news. 
as the news organizations were every newspaper they were using it like the the wire services or the internet you know mm-hmm. uh, services are used today and you would find stories from the pony express on the front pages not just of the papers in missouri or uh, can, you know kansas or california but also the new york times uh, why, you know, uh, the, the smaller papers in Washington, Boston, yeah. it's very popular. You know, you mentioned one thing that most of us don't think of when you think of the Pony Express. We think of the mail going west, but it was coming the other way as well. Oh, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, it was more important to, well, it was very important to the people in the east, especially the politicians and bankers who wanted that gold that gold, they were sure. digging out. Yeah. But uh, to the people in the west, it was so important that uh, at one point during the Pyramid Lake Indian War, uh, the Pony Express substations are burned down. A, a lot of them, because those there were, in a, it was nothing against the Pony Express, but those were the only buildings there, <laughs> and uh, some of them were destroyed. And the people uh, of, uh, well, call it the Sacramento area, it was a greater area there, um, got together, raised money and volunteered to help rebuild those stations to get the service going. That, that's how important it was uh, to them. If I was in New York, let's say, and wanted to send a letter to Sacramento, uh, how would I get it to St. Joe? Well, what you could do is um, you could walk right down to the, to the biggest, shiniest, the newest building in the city down on Wall Street, actually around the corner of Wall Street, and you could hand it, hand, hand it if you wanted, to uh, to the Pony Express clerk, you might even be able to grab uh, one of the owners there, or you could be a little less uh, fancy and use the, the postal service. And uh, the letter would go um, by by train primarily out to St. Joe, and it would take roughly three days, generally three days. From St. Joe, it would, uh, and of course, you had put a special stamp on it, hopefully. Because um, I don't know if they, if in those days, if they delivered, uh, if you didn't stamp it, I know they don't now. Uh, it would then go um, to uh, to the Pony Office in St. Joe, in again the fanciest building, at least in in that part of uh, the country, and uh, where they had their office. And in ten days, it would then maybe depending on the weather or whatever, maybe eleven days or ten and a half, it would uh, end up. It would come into Sacramento in uh, right by the river in a building that's kind of been recreated, but is essentially still there. Uh, and from there, as it came in, if your letter was going to San Francisco, it would uh, be put into a special bag, and a young man would grab the bag and run over to the to the waiting steamer, and the steamer would uh, take it down river to Sacramento and over to the bank, probably to the bank if you're from. New York, that's probably where it's going. So it would take maybe close to two weeks to uh, to get a letter from New York City to uh, San Francisco. Absolutely. And that compares to, you know, before you know, before that, you were it would take six months or so. And the, the incredible thing is that the, the amount of time, what it does is it shrinks, it, it shrinks your idea of distance it, and it helps unify the country. When one of the things you notice is you dri- if you drive – uh, you know, cross country, and you start thinking of distance as time. Well, so did the so did the people, uh, you know, in 1860, and uh, the idea of you know the the country not being something that takes months to to cross, but now just takes 10 days, shrinks. Not only does it shrink your idea of distance and and 
and the country, but it also starts to help unify uh, you know, the country and, make it, and bring it closer and closer together. How would you describe the Pony Express's importance in the, uh, in the development of this, in, uh, in this country, of this country? Um, I, I think it's important partly, you know, in terms of the idea of the country and helping to, to unify it. And um, obviously information is always important and you have the material aspects of the gold and the money. It's very critical, as I say in the book, uh, it was critical to the Northerners to keep California in the Union and to keep the, the idea of communication there. Uh, but the Pony Express is also was also um, integrating the new technologies of the time, the telegraph and the railroad. People think that those killed the Pony Express, mm-hmm. when the reality is that they were actually baked into the, the formula from the beginning. And um, so the role at the time is to help integrate the country and to kind of compress it and, and unify it at a time when you have a lot of, obviously, violent disagreement. Now, what happens afterwards, when, you know, as we approach the turn of the century and we have the Wild West show, the Pony Express becomes kind of the embodiment of a lot of our legends, uh, a lot of the you know, stories that we tell about the Old West, and so it it's becomes kind of a capsule to to tell us what's important, what we think is important about being American, about being individuals against the environment, about her, you know heroism, and just kind of physical endurance. And it takes all of those stories and it puts them in kind of an entertaining format. But as we tell them and as we think about them, what we're really doing is reinforcing what we think is important about America. So why did it only last 18 months? Well, it only lasted 18 months for a couple of reasons. They, they, the men who started it, uh, William Russell especially, he's kind of the idea guy and the finance, the kind of I'm going to get the money guy. Um, the others are more hands-on and, uh, you know, in the office business thing. Uh, he knew that it was going to be a short-term thing. He, his goals, he had two real goals. One was to you know, get a lot of publicity out of it, make it you know something that was really exciting and would excite people, and people would know when they they would know the Pony Express, and therefore they'd know the mm-hmm. companies that owned it, and that that worked. But the other thing he wanted was a million dollar contract from the government to keep that <laughs> empire he was trying to build alive, and um, you know the plan was. Although it's not written down, it was probably once we get that contract, and we'll you know we'll keep that, we'll live up to the contract. But then you know by that point we'll just uh, you know we'll phase it out and we'll have our empire of of everything from uh, from mail delivery to stagecoaches to stores to banks, which they had, they had all of those things. Um, but what happens? You have the Civil War, so obviously that's disruptive. Uh, the technology, yeah, somewhat, I would yeah, say. somewhat, right? Yeah. And you also have the technology comes along a little bit faster, I think, than than even uh, Russell would have would have thought. Uh, but mostly, uh, there's a huge financial scandal, uh, which I get into in in, in the book, and uh, has to do with uh, le- uh, 
making promises you can't keep. We'll uh, keep it at that. There is so much more to the story. Uh, you'll have to read the book to get it all. I'm afraid time doesn't allow for us to get into much more of this. But Jim DeFelice, it's a, it's a great story, and you did a wonderful job putting it all together. Thank you so much. West Like Lightning is the name of the book, The Brief Legendary Ride of the Pony Express. Jim will be appearing at the St. Louis County Library headquarters tonight at 7 o'clock. You mentioned that. That's the uh, headquarters on Lindbergh. So thank you once again. I hope you have a great crowd tonight. It's a great story. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.